Good morning. We are live on this lovely Wednesday morning. I am in Atlanta. My name is Scott Kennedy. This guy over here is Nick Kendall. He's in Seattle. So we are coast to coast. We are Falcons coverage this morning. This is the final Falcons podcast of the 2023 season because if and when we come back on Monday, and yes, I'm planning on coming in on Monday, Nick, you don't have to, but we're going to talk Monday. I, I don't drink, so I'll be up early on Monday to do Falcons podcast. The Monday after the Sunday, we'll be talking Bears Falcons. Today, we're going to preview uh, Bears Falcons. We're going to preview some quarterback talk going into next year. We're going to talk some Arthur Smith. We're going to hit on all those things. First off, Nick, how are you doing this morning? I am doing pretty well. A little uh, white coat syndrome because I got my first doctor's appointment that I've had in about no, five years. I don't know, something like that. Other than obviously like vaccines and whatnot. But yeah, it, it'll be it'll be good. Have that this morning and uh, ready for I'm ready for January 1st for a different reason, Scott. All the uh, the big bowl games coming down the tracks here with uh, the college football playoffs should be a lot of fun. I I think Alabama's going to win it in the end, but uh, you know, shocker there, Nick. But it's, I think it's every team has a chance, and I'm really hoping the Huskies uh, pull one out. Yeah, I think there's there's reasons to discuss why every one of these teams could win, which will make it kind of fun. Now, will mm -hmm. we get those games? You never know. But you know, the the Georgia Ohio State game was awesome the was that i was just was that last year or two years ago that was last year because then, then michigan tcu was a phenomenal game too then yep. you know the, championship the uh the championship was a little one-sided which yeah. you can tell pretty much right out of the gate yeah uh, i was like wait a minute their offensive linemen look like georgia's linebackers <laughs> yeah that's one thing that's going to be nice about the expanded playoffs is that you probably can't have a uh Cinderella run to the championship at some extent where I think the championship product, you're not going to get as hit or miss because uh, anything can happen in one game, but to win yep. multiple games, I mean, good luck. Yeah, it's, it's tough. I, uh, I've never been a huge fan of playoffs, especially as they just keep bigger and bigger. I'm like, you know, if, if it's Alabama and Texas, I'm like, I already saw that game. You've just rendered it meaningless. You know, I, mm -hmm. I already, I already saw that game this year. I don't like rematches. I don't like second chances when it comes to this. I like cutthroat. So yeah, I, I'll tell you though, if it's uh, San Francisco versus Baltimore again in the Super Bowl, I'm not going to complain. <laughs> yeah, but, but what did that do to the last game? The last game really didn't matter. I mean, it was it was, and I, we said that coming into uh, on coast to coast. I'm like, this game's going to mean more to somebody, and someone's not going to have their best game, and that's how the game's going to go. We'll see. Yeah, I'm not going to read too much into that game yeah. for what I see. Where, you know, if they play again, when I'm making predictions again. On that note, yeah, Scott's a vegetarian, but uh, he needs steaks. He's all about the stakes on that. <laughs> that's right. That's right. And uh, so that's that's what I loved about college football, you know, pre-bowl uh, coalition yeah. when they did that. It was, you know, every game, God bless. You know, if you lose, you're in deep doo-doo. Um, yeah. And that's and it didn't matter if it was August, August 30th, or, you know, when. But on that note, we come in here. Uh, live because we like having the conversation with y'all and there's a lot of people in here already so we want to say hello to some folks especially those that came in early on youtube before we even got started like oblivion empire says good morning guys i'll be here but might not be able to message that's okay we're glad you're here and i appreciate the messages after the fact too uh when you when you're leaving the the comments after the fact good part of this community so thank you so much john harrell fresh off a big super chat uh on monday comes back in early says good morning scott and nick falcons family Put y'all's GM hats on. Do you draft a quarterback or find a free agent? I'm, we can cop out on this one, Nick, and we'll get we'll deep dive into this one a little bit more. But it ends up becoming that old best player available syndrome for me because you've got to go after a quarterback. I would prefer 
one of the big three in the draft would be how I would like to do it. But as a GM, as a coach, I, I want a veteran. If I'm Arthur Smith and I'm back for a year and I have to win, I want a vet because uh, my my job's on the line every week starting in 2024. Uh, but again, it comes down to who's available. And we'll, we'll get into some of those things. Uh, Ira Howell, good to see you. Says, rise up, Falcons family. There's an abundance of quarterbacks. We'll be in the 24 draft. The issue is that the picks we uh, we like will be gone closer to our selection. I'm all for bringing Justin Fields home. And, and we'll talk about that one too. We've got some, there's some folks that are just flat out against Justin Fields. And, and I understand. Um, we'll see if we can... We'll have that conversation. I'm not against Justin Fields. He's not my first option, but I'd be pretty excited to see him play in Atlanta too, comparatively to what we've seen the last three years or so at the quarterback position. I think he'd be an upgrade, but we can get into that one as well. Michael Ranquillo also off a pair of Super Chat Mondays coming in from Tucson. Welcome in, Michael. He says, good morning, Scott and Nick on the Falcons podcast. Good morning to you as well. And then uh, Mr. Shonoff. Daniels or May, we don't need to wait around until the third, second or third round when the quarterback talent decreases. If you're in for Daniels or May, don't you think you'd probably be in for Caleb Williams too? So you could, there's no guarantee that Caleb Williams goes number one overall. Um, you know, and, and one of these three guys is going to go number two overall. So uh, I, I think you got to throw in all three of them. If you're willing to move up, you're, it's going to cost you. You might as well shoot for the top spot, Nick. I, I mean, We'll see what Chicago wants to do, right? That's uh, you can shoot for the top spot, but mm-hmm. I think right now they'll probably take a quarterback there right. and they'll have their choice of it. So somebody is going to be out. I understand that you want to list Williams too, because maybe they like May the most, maybe they right. like Daniels the most. I mean, we're going to find out, uh, but yeah, it's going to be interesting to follow. I don't know if I agree with the previous comment about the uh, 24 draft having an abundance of quarterbacks. We've kind of talked about on, here and before, not to get way too college in here immediately, but the NIL impact on those quarterbacks. If you have guys who are, you know, borderline first round picks that are still young, you know, your Quinn Ewers, your JJ McCarthy's talk about two guys in the playoffs, Shadur Sanders, another one before it used to be, okay, well, let's get the clock started. You can be a first round pick. There's value to that. Now you're making good money for a season at the college level. You maybe you always were, but now it's, you know, on the books, so to speak. Uh, and uh, <laughs> now I can claim it on my taxes. Yeah. <laughs> so, so those guys go back and there's a much better, uh, there's low, much less risk uh, to come back for a year because you're still going to get decently paid, especially if you're a quarterback in what the college market is right now. So I don't know what the mid rounds are going to look like uh, because of that. And we still have one more year of the COVID eligibility extended. I mean, gosh, I think next year is the last year of that. So we'll see uh, what happens there, but it's certainly an intriguing college quarterback class. Scott, not to put you on the spot right now, because obviously you haven't done at all we, neither have i all the work yet but your gut feeling on how you'd rank those top three guys and do you have anybody else that stood out have you how, how much have you a quarterback i'd still probably yeah. go kayla williams strike may jane daniels i'm One, two, i'm the three. same i mean that's kind of where it started mm-hmm. um i i think there's been a very good anti caleb williams campaign out there uh almost mm-hmm. like a smear campaign and i'm not sure where it's coming from maybe it's coming from picks two three four and five <laughs> um and, and sometimes it's just fatigue you know, um, he won the Heisman last year. The hype people like to see guys like that fall. Uh, it's just the nature of it's almost a, it's almost a jealousy thing, mm-hmm. where you know the, the the superstar quarterback falls. Yay! Now he's more human, like the rest of us, uh, instead of this godlike figure that we make them out to be. So uh, for me, it's still Caleb Williams, and then Drake May, and then Jaden Daniels, and I could see those guys going one, two, three. I don't think anybody makes it out. I don't think any of those guys make it out of the top five. 
Um, yeah. So it's going to be expensive to to get there. Zach Powers says, morning, morning, coffee for you. And he asked me if, uh, and uh, cheers on that. Let me have a sip of that. Um, he asked me if I'm going down to the Senior Bowl again. I am. And speaking of talent, I, this might be the best Senior Bowl I've been to mm-hmm. when all is said and done. This is, uh, it's starting to stack up pretty nicely in there. And I'm, I'm looking forward to it. It's only a month away, y'all. So um, mm-hmm. I'll have the 4K camera down there. Last year, I went out of town for my birthday right after the Senior Bowl. So I was a week late on getting clips out. Not this year. Not this year. They'll be they'll be coming out fast and furious, getting the uh, getting the highlights and everything out. Silas coming in. He says, good morning, Scott and Nick and the Falcons family. That's all, y'all. Evan, good to see you. He says, Scott, are you confident that with a competent quarterback, such as Fields, and some would argue that Fields is not a competent quarterback, this offense could look just as good, if not better, than Sunday. Nick, I'll let you take a shot on that one first. Let's say you got Justin Fields instead of Taylor Heineke uh, against that in that game on uh, on Sunday. What are you What are you thinking? I think that you're getting a little bit more of a variance quarterback there in terms of specifically sacks. Uh, that's one of the big negatives for Justin Fields, and it's something that he's cleaned up here as of late. But if you can't talk about Justin Fields without talking about the impact that he has on the sacks, uh, he has negative EPA gained this season on sacks. He actually has the fourth uh, fourth most EPA loss due to sacks this season. And also, you're going to lose a little bit of the, the yak ability, too. He doesn't always throw the ball with quickness and timing in the quick game where it maximizes the ability after the catch. So some of the stuff with Bijan and uh, Algier in the quick game and the yak stuff might be limited, but you're going to get much more vertical shots and I would argue probably more explosives as well because Justin Fields is a big game hunter uh, down the field. And also you have the ability to work in the quarterback design run. So it's going to make your run game a lot more versatile, but you probably, based on what we've seen to date, you'll have to worry a bit about the the variance and the negatives. You hope that the explosives can outdo the negatives, uh, but that's always an impact of the game. And I think you'll always probably have a little bit of the turnovers and the quick game issues, but hopefully we can work on getting rid of the sacks. That's a big one. I think that's something we don't, appreciate as much from the thousand foot lens but those sacks are drive killers they are some of the worst plays you have in a game and, uh, and it's a quarterback stat sacks are a quarterback stat uh, that's Sorry. a good answer um because <laughs> yeah. you know matt ryan got sacked a lot and people were like oh well we need a more mobile quarterback it wasn't that he was mobile it's that he he held on to the ball a long time trying to get the big play mm-hmm. he held on to it as long as he possibly could mobile quarterbacks are usually sacked more because they're taking more risks trying to get out of there instead of getting rid of the ball um, what I think about this game, Evan, is those five field goals. I think a couple of those are touchdowns. I, I think, I think this one would have gotten really, really ugly with uh, a little bit more explosive quarterback play because they were just dominating, uh, as Drake, my friend Drake comes in, Drake, it's good to see you. Uh, got to guest with, uh, with Drake last week on the, uh, on the horseshoe huddle podcast. And he's coming in with a very generous super chat. Uh, and I picked the Colts in that game, but I warned the the Colts fans, if this Falcons team gets it together, which they haven't really done all year, they've got the talent to be really, really good. The Colts were banged up. They've been overachieving. Are they running out of gas at this point? And it just, it it everything went against the Colts and, and started going the Falcons way. And, and part of me starts saying, well, where has this team been? Come on. Um, mm-hmm. But Drake says the Falcons absolutely smacked the Colts across the face on Christmas Eve. Bajan's going to be a superstar. 
it's such it's, it was such good complimentary football, you know, being able to get first downs, Nick, and then run Tyler Algier for three carries. And on the same drive, mix in some Cordero Patterson. And on the same drive, mix in some Bijan Robinson. And then have a third down conversion on a pass. Hit Kyle Pitts early. I mean, that's what we were looking for at the beginning of the season. And it's taken until week 16 to get there, Nick. Yeah, it's taken a bit. I mean, you didn't step on the rakes in this game consistently with the the turnovers. That's been the big thing. Obviously, we haven't seen the run game be as efficient and explosive uh, consistently as we saw against the Colts. So shout out to them for that. It's not a bad Colts defense by any means. Uh, so that was good. But really, I mean, the big thing is I don't think they're that far away. It's just you got to take care of the GD ball. Right. And uh, the Falcons have not done that. So that's a, maybe a sign of a young team making some mistakes. Maybe it's a Ritter issue. I guess we're going to find out as the sample size increases here for the Falcons themselves, maybe not for Ritter. Uh, but uh, that's a, I think it's honestly closer to the team that we've seen all season. It's just, that's how impactful turnovers are. There's other than actually scoring points, there's nothing that's more indicative of the outcome of a game than turnovers. And the penalties were down this week too. Yeah. Um, Y'all, the uh, it was it was always okay. Let's you're looking good. You're in rhythm. You're getting down there. You get to the 15, and it was either a penalty or a turnover. Mm-hmm. It's like God bless guys. Come on. Mm-hmm. Um. So yeah, this was. I, I'm not. I I will stick by what I said a minute ago about the the Colts overachieving. I believe that, and that's that's I've said that Shane Steichen is on the very short list for Coach of the Year coming in that it could come down to him and D'Amico Ryan's on January 7th in that game. Um, Gardner Minshew is your quarterback and went in, you know, five out of six games and tied for first in the AFC South, losing Michael Pittman, losing Jonathan Taylor for half the season. All that stuff kind of caught up to the Colts. Your right tackles out. They had been winning anyway. Um, not this time. And that, that's a that's a credit to the Atlanta Falcons. It's credit to Arthur Smith in this game. Uh, we'll get into other things. Dave coming in with a super chat. Thank you uh, uh, so much. Support for the show with that super sticker. Appreciate you, Dave. Dave's been with us since the very beginning. Yeah. We're already up on three years of the Falcons podcast, and we're here because of guys like you, Dave. So thank you. Uh, thank you so much. Want to keep saying hello to some folks uh, as we get into, um, let's see, Hindo bearing John Roberts says, uh, Nando says he made, made sure he shared because Nando says, good morning, Scott. Uh, and Nick Bama wins it all. I wouldn't bet against them. That's that's for sure. Uh, and Breon has a good idea here. Also, is you know do both when we talk about the quarterbacks. And I, I'm actually okay. Taylor Heineke was on a one year deal with a one year option. His options not all that expensive um, for the next year. And I wouldn't mind having him back as my veteran free agent guy who's already there. And um, and then draft a guy. Um, his next year, his cap hit is nine. So it's not insignificant. His dead cap is two. And that's why I call it a one-year deal with an option because you can move on just like you did with Marcus Mariota. You can move on with him with just a $2 million dead cap hit and get $7 million back in savings. But that's a pretty good insurance policy. at not, Even at $9 million for a backup when you won't have much in your quarterback room at all. Desmond Ritter still cheap. And if you draft somebody, you'll be in the the low, low, low seven figures. So you'll still only have twelve or thirteen million dollars in your quarterback room next year, even if you go f- with a high round pick, Nick. 
Yeah, I, you have a lot of options at the quarterback. I'm not against Heineke. If you have a new coach coming in, then you might as well just tear the page. We'll see what happens with Arthur Smith on that one. But for continuity's sake of the offense and getting some guys up to speed with just the operation of the practice and everything that goes on to make a team a team week to week, wouldn't be the worst in the world. And we got Harry Marshall coming in with a cute kid, man. I got <laughs> my little first guy coming in on the way, and uh, I'm definitely in that, like, noticing i never really noticed kids before <laughs> and what, now it's what, like i see them everywhere but what's uh, funny is my eyes are bad enough and that picture is so small it looks like an old school can of budweiser sitting in front of him with the uh with a red can and the blue the blue label i'm sure that's not what it is no no no, but, no. Uh, yeah, you're, you're, it's like where's your brain scott yeah but he says that was, he my, wants that was my kid picture with my dad was the can of budweiser sitting in front of me <laughs> Well, uh, more of an IPA guy out here in the Pacific Northwest, not to be a stereotype. But uh, we got uh, Harry saying, I think uh, Falcons should go after Kirk Cousins and free agency or Fields via trade, a draft pick, not a first. I agree with Harry. Scott, I think you and I kind of disagree a tad on the, the value of Justin Fields. I think he's going to get multiple day two picks in the end. I don't think it's going to cost a, a first rounder. Uh, maybe unless you're talk, talking pick 31, 32, but I don't know. I think it's probably more of a uh, pick like 40 and then a conditional pick and maybe even in a, like a fifth round pick as well. Uh, we got John Robert also coming in saying share alike, please. Uh, and I've, I'm not against Kirk Cousins either. The big kicker here is that the team that probably could use him the most is the team he's most comfortable with and familiar with in the Vikings. If he gets out there, it makes you worried about the Achilles long-term as well. Like, oh, is there something else, that, something they know that we don't know? So that injury just really kind of tossed this thing in the air. But he was playing like a top, I mean, God, forgive me for this, but like a top five quarterback in the NFL this season before going down. He was really, really good. Uh, who knows how it would have played out the rest of the season. Uh, but uh, he'd be an awesome get. If you're talking about instant impact, assuming he's healthy, I don't know if there's a quarterback who gives you more 2024 wins than Kirk Cousins. That's obviously yeah. not the point of doing it, but uh, that's uh, he's he's been good. If Kirk Cousins was the quarterback of this team, you're talking 15 games, 12 and three, maybe 11 and four at worst. Yeah. You know, and everybody, I don't want Kirk Cousins, that old guy. I'm like, y'all are really, really, I almost want to say unrealistic about who is available out there to go and get. It's like, well, I don't want that guy. Does he make your team better? Yes or no? If the answer is yes, then he needs to be on the table. We need to be having this discussion. And part of making your team better, Nick, is your, and I'll listen to this argument, is your availability. And Red Swarm, good morning, Scott and Nick, and everyone in the chat, is your availability. Okay, I don't want that guy coming off an injury. Okay, I'm, I'm listening. But don't tell me he's old and sucks, because that's not right. He's too expensive, and that would hinder our ability to put other players around him. I'll listen to that, too. So that's part of making your team better. Can he stay healthy? Because if he's not, he's not making our team better. And does he cost too much? What does it cost to bring him in? Because that doesn't make your team better. I'm listening to both of those. But Kirk Cousins is a better quarterback. This isn't a hot take than what you have had the last couple of years in Atlanta. Yeah. I mean, he's <laughs> he's been really good. And I think right now we are kind of entering. We were in a like, not to get too philosophical on this, Scott, but we were kind of in a sling it around, you know, crazy arm talent, athletic area for the quarterback. And that still matters a lot. But with what defenses are doing now with the simulated pressures and the athlete, the versatile athletes that can play multiple spots, the two deep safety shells and playing nickel more than ever, it's made it 
as important as it's been in maybe a decade for those quarterbacks to be much more pocket oriented and cerebral. I mean, if you can give me a guy who can get your team lined up correctly, read the right stuff, pre-snap and get the ball to the right guy in time, there's room underneath in the middle of the field to operate and create some explosives. I mean, how do we see guys like we're talking about Kirk Cousins or Brock Purdy, you know, who are limited uh, in physical gifts and arm talent, but they are killing it. Super efficient offenses. Uh, so I mean, it's always nice to have the guy with the rocket arm and the athleticism, but almost coming a little bit back to basics here of quarterback, that pocket maneuverability, your ability to hang in there and go through your reads while chaos is surrounding you, just making sure you're getting the right, getting through your progressions in the right read. I mean, it seems simple, but it's how we're seeing all these old head quarterbacks all of a sudden playing great again. It's like, well, they know how to quarterback. It's patience and calmness in there because you're not getting the explosive plays nearly as much. So you've got to be able to, you can't be overly greedy to a certain extent. I mean, you've got your outliers that are just that much better than everybody else. But to be fair, Lamar Jackson is having one of his best seasons, having MVP type of season, partially because of the things you're talking about. You know, he's Mm -hmm. not running for as many long plays. He's, he's playing quarterback. He's taking what the defense gives him using his playmakers. Keith, good to see you this morning. He came in with some stars, too, on Facebook. So thank you. Just a reminder, the most direct way to support the show is just like Keith has, like Dave has, like Drake has, with those Super Chats and the uh, the stars on Facebook. As our final Falcons podcast of 2023, uh, I'm going to wrap this comment into a bunch of them because there's about a bunch in a row. There's a lot of quarterback talk right now, and, and I think that's uh, we can talk Bears, but we can talk Justin Fields and Bears at the same time. Uh, Keith says, are we playing against our starting quarterback this week? Austin, good to see you. Uh, he says, if y'all had the option, would you take Kyler Murray if you wanted to come uh, come to Atlanta? Rudy says, good morning. Um, Steven Womble says, make a play for fields or for future conditional picks. Morning, guys. I like, I like that option a lot. And then Zach Power is also saying, hey, Caleb Williams, I give fair criticism. He's fumbled like 15 times this year and fumbles drive me nuts. That is a concern. Mm-hmm. that that's a big one Zach that's a good shout because you don't see those on you know 7v7 passing plates too much out there um but you look at a box car and you're like man hold on to the ball those are I think fumbles are worse than interceptions honest honestly Nick when it comes to turnovers and it's just as far as the momentum swing and I, I feel like those are even worse I mean like I said, sometimes the, 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 the interceptions can be schemed or you know a bad throw, but the fumbles are just demoralizing. And just talking from a pure data perspective, they are worse uh, because you're not getting that chance for a down the field explosive most of the time when those interceptions do come. Uh, when you throw it down the field and interception, you can live with the risk there sometimes because you have a chance for obviously the explosive play. And in the NFL, it could also be a DPI and just the field position. I mean a a long interception is essentially a punt, which isn't great, but it's sometimes you're talking, you know, a 30, 40 yard difference between the fumble and the interception. So yeah, fumbles are killers. Yeah, you get a third and 12 and you throw an IT in an, an INT 45 yards down the field. You're like, so what? You know, maybe I got the interception. There's some there's positive outcome that belong there. So I, w- I want to get into this one though, but I, I think one, I think you're gonna have some competition for Justin Fields. It's not gonna just be the Atlanta Falcons. Can I make that trade and sweeten it with conditional as a conditional pick? Right now, the Falcons are watching Calvin Ridley. If he re-signs, the fourth round pick has already moved up to a third round pick. That was a conditional. They got a fifth 
and a fourth with conditions. The fourth has already moved up to a third based on playing time conditions. The third becomes a second if they re-sign him to another contract. Okay. Send him a send them a, a two two-thirds, one of them being conditional based on certain aspects. Throws for over 300 yards, gets 10 or more wins, all of those things that can escalate it up to a first. I would love that option. I don't know if it'll be good enough to get Justin Field from the Chicago Bears. I think it'll talk. You'll have to throw in a second round pick this year and probably a fifth rounder and then a conditional in 2025 that could go up from a third to a two. I think it's going to be similar to the Sam Darnold from the Jets to Carolina uh, trade package. I feel like that's about the bundle you're expecting there. You only have one year left of control. You're going to have to make that decision on that fifth year option. I think you probably do extend it, but if, as you've kind of discovered here, Scott, for the quarterback, that fifth year option is uh, cha-ching. That's one reason teams are not as nutso about uh, that fifth, getting that fifth year option on the quarterback anymore because it's not as cost-friendly as it used to be. Uh, since they changed what uh, pr- what parameters define that fifth year option and made it fully guaranteed, uh, so it will be interesting. But I, I'm not expecting it to be too crazy. I don't think you have to give up multiple firsts or anything like that, just because he's been volatile, injured as well. Injury is the big concern with me with Fields, honestly. Uh, but yeah, I think a couple day two picks and maybe another pick in there as well. I think should get it done. We'll see what the market is though, because you're right. There could be some competition. You've uh, we've talked about on here the Steelers a little bit being a team that maybe could approach him. That seems like a possible fit. And then also the, uh, over the last week, there's been a kind of a groundswell. I don't know if it's fan-based, but uh, uh, the Raiders who all of a sudden look feisty and interesting under Antonio Pierce out there in Vegas. So um, there's, there's going to be some teams hunting. How the Broncos could be in the market too for, for mm-hmm. Justin Fields maybe. possibly. He, he doesn't typically fit what you're thinking of with Sean Payton, but um, he fits more of an Arthur Smith, Shane Steichen RPO based with, uh, you know, if, if you start looking at that, that tree that's coming out of Philadelphia too, uh, in that way. Uh, and Maurice, good to see you, Maurice. Says our offensive line's got to stop the pre-snap stuff and holding that's been killing drives all year. I agree. Um, and that was one of the keys I said in this last game. Only four penalties uh, for 35 yards, and I don't remember seeing those drive killers. You know, this when you're terrible in the passing game, and frankly, the Falcons game has been terribly in passing. Uh, you can't get behind the sticks like that. You know, first and 15, first and 20, second and 12. Uh, and it's been tough. Dave, good to see you. Appreciate this at the uh, super chat earlier. He says, Scott, what do you think about O-line coach Dwayne Ledford? Some fans want him fired. Dave thinks that's asinine. I would agree with Dave. Um, I remember when Arthur Smith took over this team in 2020, you know, going into the 2021 season. And I was livid. That they took Kyle Pitts uh, because the offensive line was a travesty and they had no defense. Uh, I'm like, what? What are you going to do there? So the improvement that the offensive line has made over the course of the of Arthur Smith's tenure. Now I think they regressed a little bit compared to last year. Caleb McGarry's improved. Chris Lindstrom has gone from good to superstar. Uh, Say what you want. People are knocking Drew Dahlman. I think he's still the number two ranked PFF center in the league. Most of that's through run blocking. Uh, This is his third year. Uh, Left guard. They got competency once Jalen Mayfield was out of there. Good God. They got competency from four different guys in that position. Colby Kosick, Eli Wilkinson last year. Uh, Matt Hennessy. Remember, Atlanta Cognac, Hennessy. Uh, Matt Hennessy playing left guard last year. 
Uh, and then and then Jake Matthews has been the Matt Ryan of the offensive L, uh, offensive line. He's been steady no matter who's been there. I think Dwayne Ledford has done a fantastic job with this team. I would say that I think they've underperformed to an extent this season, but not based on the overall sample size of the years uh, that he's been here in Atlanta. So I wouldn't fire him, but if it was another down year next year with the quarterback play a little bit more consistent and better then maybe we could start talking, but Right now, I would say uh, we've got to bring him back. Uh, Oblivion Empire says, yeah, of, of the guys that I would most want on the offensive staff, Dwayne Ledford is number one. Offensive line coach for for the for the Atlanta Falcons would be the guy I would most want back on the offensive side of the ball. Frankly, he might be the only guy I want back on the offensive side of the ball. Oblivion Empire says, come on, guys, hit the likes. Also, what do you think, Nick? The Atlanta Falcons a draft with their first-round pick if we trade for Fields, assuming it doesn't cost you a first-round pick. Uh, right now, you're sitting there with the 10th pick in the draft. Uh, who knows? That probably puts you anywhere from 7 to 16. Still with two weeks left, and so many teams stuck with the about the same amount of wins as the Falcons. Uh, on paper, the obvious answer would be edge. I'm not sure what exactly happens with edge rusher in this upcoming draft, uh, given the... I feel, I feel like there are three guys who are probably worth a top 20 pick uh, right now. We'll see what happens. I was not going to include Chop Robinson in that, but if he goes to... So I got uh, my mock yesterday, but the Falcons were picking 11. I okay. Took Chop. I, he's my fourth edge right now on the, this season. I He just needs to do a little bit. This, the production's not really there. The traits are there, but the production hasn't been there despite having a large sample size, which concerns me. It's not like a small one-year kind of guy who's a freak and had been buried. Uh and also where he's a little bit of a DPR, so to speak, a designated pass rusher type. Mm -hmm. uh, so a guy that the Falcons were really interested in last year, apparently reportedly, and might've even taken him if he had come out is Jared verse uh, more of that pocket crunching type as well. Scott, uh, which we know from that uh, saints school of thought, uh, you want a little bit more of the pocket crunchers. Uh, so verse is an option. Leatu Latu is of course there depending on the medical. And then, there. and then edge number one in this class, in my opinion, is Dallas Turner. Uh, who is, I think, the best combination of tools, traits, and production. Edge makes sense. The one I think people will maybe kind of furl up at a little bit, maybe you too, Scott, but you just look at the math of the roster right now and the where the class is right now. I mean, wide receiver is something at least you are looking at in terms of the talent. I mean, Matt Collins has been a fine player, but if you're bringing in a Justin Fields, you surround him with weapons because, I mean, outside of Drake London, where's your playmakers on the perimeter? Uh so that's one that makes uh, some sense uh, to me. And I see John Harrell saying versus a top 15 pick. Yeah, versus is going to end up being a top 20 pick. I don't know if I'll say 15 exactly because the testing is so important for edge, probably more important for edge than any other spot in football. Uh, but I mean, verse kind of started slow this season, but then you go back and watch him against Florida, against Louisville. I mean, the last month of the season, he was just wrecking them out there. He's got like, you know, super sockum gloves when he plays with his heavy hands. Uh, so he's definitely would be somebody that would uh, make sense. Yeah, <clears throat> Oblivion Empire, and it does say you and Nick, so that's me. Mm -hmm. um, I was going to pivot off of Nick. He he went ahead and got to it. Wide receivers on the table, and I've been I bitched about wide receiver the first two drafts, um, pass catcher, wide receiver, what, whatever you want to say. But this this seems closer to competing, and they've got the the bones in place on the offensive line is steady. Their defense is good. They're going to have to make some more changes there in the offseason, but that's just that's just standard. Um, their quarterback 
isn't settled yet, but I have to figure that they're going to address that somehow, some way. And even if they don't, let's just say it's Taylor Heineke. Worst case for me, it's Taylor Heineke again. Well, that's still better than the worst case of what we saw this year. You know how many receivers, wide receivers, are on, under contract for the Atlanta Falcons in 2024? One. One wide receiver is under contract in 2024, Drake London. That's it. Wide receivers on the table. Um, I think, Nick, when my choice came up, when I did a mock the other day, the top two guys on the board were uh, were Chop Robinson, Edge, or Kool-Aid McKinstry, corner. And I'm like, I could go either way on that. Corner's on. Corner's going to be an option, too. Jeff Akut is going to get some more money. He's been the in and out of the lineup with some injuries, too. So you, you need to go with a, a – you're going to need to go cornerback as well. So the premium positions are all on the table, and you should be able to get one there. I mean, I'm going to even – it doesn't make sense if Arthur Smith is back so much, but I think Terry's probably pretty safe with Atlanta with the, the building blocks that you see here on paper. I think offensive tackle is also something you got to talk about right now. It wouldn't make sense to move on from McGarry – after this season, but after 2024, let's say he has another poor season or is injured or anything. You can save 14.5 million with only 2 million dead. Uh, after 2024, Jake Matthews is getting up there as well. And it looks like a pretty good tackle class and you need those guys. Uh, so I know that's not a rotational position. That's much more, you know, five year perspective of this team. But, uh, you know, that's one thing about the offensive line. You don't want to draft it when it's already a problem. You need to draft it before it's a problem. You need to see, like, what does it look like two to three years down the road? Uh, so I think offensive tackle where you're sitting right now is something that you probably want to consider as well. Yeah, it's a, and that's a premium position, and it's deep at offensive tackle. So offensive mm-hmm. tackle is on the board. You could move on from McGarry. There actually would be some savings there at, at uh, $3 million savings. It's almost cap neutral with the dead cap number. I don't think that's where you want to go, especially with a rookie. You'd rather have him for one more year because he's not overly expensive. His cap number is like 12, which isn't bad for a starting right tackle. Um, And then it goes like the the next year is like 16 and two, which is that's either he won't play on that contract in 2025. He'll either get an extension slash restructure or you, you cut him as a cap casualty slash performance casualty in 2025. And then you like, like Nick said, Jake Matthews is getting old, uh, older. He's got to be one of the oldest offensive starting tackles in football. He's, I mean, he's actually still only 31. He turns what? 32. He turns 32 in a couple wow. days. Uh, he turns wow. 32 in February, it looks like, but he's still just 32. But what wow. was he? Was That's he oh, nine? Got a 10? He's been in the league a long time. So he was a three and out guy, which doesn't happen very often on the offensive line. He's only 29. No, that's not the different Jake Matthews. Okay, we're good. Yeah, he's, 30, <laughs> he's, he'll, he's basically 32. Okay. Well, that's uh, shocking. Mark Wilson coming in with a big, generous yellow super uh, super sticker on YouTube. Thank you, Mark. Appreciate the uh, the support that y'all are showing the show. I got it right. I never get showing the show. I don't know why I can't just erase that from my vocabulary since I screw it up all the time. And Jake Matthews is a star's is- reminder here. <laughs> That this has to be very important. My <laughs> forehead's not shiny enough. The lights aren't bright enough. Everyone sends scars. Scott's forehead is starting to dull. It is. Here, here's a trade secret, though. I actually do powder this big old forehead of mine before I go on the shows with these lights. First time I did TV, I think I was, oh, it was probably 2003. So I was 30 years old, full of juice. I don't even know stinking makeup. What are you talking about? It looked like high beams coming out of my forehead when I watched the monitor. I'm like, yeah, go ahead and shine this big old thing up because, you know, the forehead didn't exactly 
just grow like this. It's always been pretty big. So uh, thank you, Keith. Uh, Jason Heller coming in with a super sticker over there on YouTube. Nice and red. Thank you, my friend. Uh, the support that y'all are showing the show. There's twice in a row, Nick. Uh, means a lot to us. So thank you very much. Um, Want to say hello to a couple more folks that have come in. Uh, you know, Walter, we were talking about number two. Uh, he says, if we get a decent number two wide receiver, we take off. It, it's It was one of the bigger questions coming into the season other than quarterback. The quarterback was always the big question. How fast can all these new faces on the defense gel together and become a good unit? Really fast. Great job, Ryan Nielsen. Arguably the assistant coach of the year in my book. One of those guys. Who's going to step up and be the number two wide receiver? No one. No one has. It's on the table. It absolutely is on the table. The one thing that's nice is that you do have a wide receiver one, so you don't have to feel forced to go wide receiver in the first round because I think you can probably find a wide receiver two in this draft uh, day two. It looks like it's going to be a pretty deep draft. I mean, we'll see what happens with guys coming out or whatnot, but typically wide receivers come out pretty pretty fast. Uh, you're not seeing those guys stick around, but day two you got both Texas guys are really interesting. Uh, Xavier Worthy and Adonai Mitchell. Uh, you have Xavier Leggett. South Carolina has been a lot of fun. Uh, you have uh, Tez Walker at North Carolina. Troy Franklin at Oregon. Uh, so there's going to be, I'm sure, some other guys emerge too. So it doesn't have to be a first-round pick, so to speak. If you have a chance at one of the top three guys in this draft, I think it would be pretty darn impressive to walk away with. Uh, you're not going to get Marvin Harrison Jr., but neighbors is unbelievable uh i think roma dunze i i don't think we're talking enough about him he's unbelievable we we talk wide receiver nick i will raise absolute holy hell if they trade up and took marvin harrison jr <laughs> i will string them up from the rafters it won't if happen. they if they trade up multiple first round picks to get up into the top five and draft marvin harrison jr with no quarterback i will raise holy hell i i will put a guarantee out there for you guys that that's that's not happening <laughs> for what the cost because there's quarterbacks at least they need one this isn't like the yeah. julio jones trade where they had just had 50 hung on them by the packers after a 13 and 3 season with a top five offense and then trade mm -hmm. five picks for a wide receiver not that i hold a grudge or anything and, and the only thing the only reason that that hasn't doesn't get more attention is because julio was really good and oh, the okay. cleveland browns don't know how to draft uh mm -hmm. but those five picks I've said over and over again, one pick that was available where the Falcons would have picked Cameron Jordan would have been better for that team than Julio Jones. They needed Cameron Jordan a lot more on that defense than they needed Julio Jones on the offense. That might be blasphemy to talk about Saints. Doesn't mean I'm wrong. Mark Wilson, quarterback is the hardest position to fill. Fields is no certainty to be available or Cousins leaving the Vikings. Most likely either trade up or a day two pick. In the mock draft I did yesterday, I took Chop Robinson. And with the second pick, I took Michael Penix Jr. in the in the second round. Yeah, I think there are going to be some day two quarterbacks options. Uh, we uh, obviously could see Bo Nix uh, there as well. It seems like Bo Nix is thought of slightly higher than Penix. I'm not ready to distinguish either of those guys. Uh, then after that, you got the super wild card would be Spencer Rattler. Uh, he has some character issues. It's not like he's out here committing crimes or anything. He's just some people think he's a kind of a grade A, you know what? Uh, I don't know if you ever saw that. I think it was last chance. He, I don't remember which one it was. There was some show where he was, you know, just all out there uh, for everyone to see. And, you know, he was a 17 year old kid at that point. But 
did not come off the best. And uh, so we'll see what happens. He'll have a chance down there in Mobile. But there's a reason that a few years ago, Scott, in those way too early mock drafts, he was some people had him first overall because that arm talent and the arm elasticity is legit. I'm really excited for you to go down there in Mobile and be like, oh, wow, look what he looks like in practice. That arm is probably going to be pretty interesting. The other thing I'm going to do is I'm going to watch him between drills. I'm going to see how he interacts with his teammates, how his teammates interact with him. Uh, those are the kind of things you get to see in person and kind of get an idea. Uh, <laughs> there was, I can't remember his name. Uh, it was like Baxter or something. He was from San Diego and he ended up playing running back. He's the next Reggie Bush for USC. I think he scored seven touchdowns from the quarterback position in the game I was at. It was five or seven, one of those odd numbers, but it was a bunch. Not a single teammate once ever, not even one time thinking about it, even acknowledged his existence mm. in the end zone all the way to the bench. That matters. He failed. That, that matters so much for quarterback, man. You got to be a dude. That's one reason that Josh Allen is special. I mean, he is. <laughs> they love him. Uh, those teammates love him. It, it matters. So we'll see what happens with Spencer Rattler. I also did want to throw out uh, Michael Pratt, Pratt at Tulane as well. But once you get beyond those first round quarterbacks, especially for a Arth- potentially an Arthur Smith led team where you need results, you have to supplement that with probably somebody who's playing immediately from the free agents pool. So it's uh, once you talk day two, it you gets a little nice. Taylor Heineke. Yeah, ah, man, I don't. I don't know if I'd want to put my job on the line with Taylor Heineke out there. You did but, it with uh, Desmond Ritter and Taylor Heineke this year. Yeah. I I don't know if this year was do or die, though, especially if he's back. Um, and next year will be. Next year, absolutely. Next year could die. be week to week. Next yeah. year could be the Dan Quinn where they start 0-3 and we start writing up here are the top candidates to replace yeah. uh, Arthur Smith in the next couple of weeks. Two games left. I've said seven and 10. I think he's in trouble. Eight and nine, it's questionable, but I would lean towards him coming back. Nine and eight, I think he's safe. So mm-hmm. that's two and oh, one and one and oh and two. Those are the scenarios there. Rusty coming in. He says trading for Justin Fields would be the front office saying they made a mistake in 2021 by drafting Kyle Pitts. They won't trade for him just for the simple fact that it would make them look bad and clueless. See, I don't I don't agree with this take, Rusty. And and the main reason why is because it won't be a number four overall pick. It won't be as expensive. Um, you know, if you're trading the a couple of day two picks, the equivalent of a low number one to get Justin Fields, then that's that's cost on that. Um, so I don't I don't necessarily agree with that. Um, and then uh, let me see here. Someone I think it was Dave that came in here. Was it Chris? Uh, it was Dave says I would draft a quarterback in the second round. I like Fields, but the math and timing is not adding up. Here's something that's interesting to me, y'all. Uh, give me the two most likely day first day two picks. Uh, that we've already said their names, so just say them again for me, real quick. Michael Penix and Bo Nix, exactly. Okay, Justin Fields is 11 months older than Bo Nix, Justin it? Fields is 14 months older than Michael Penix. Okay, where would we be talking about Justin Fields if he had spent the last three years at Oregon? instead of with the Chicago Bears and coming out as a 24-year-old quarterback? We'd be wondering what's wrong with him. Why uh, is he still there? Because why the hell are you still there? Yeah. yeah. Uh, so, I mean, he'd probably be – we'd still be talking about him a top 10, top be, 15. Be, we'd be talking about him number one overall. Yeah. I mean, I, was, I had him number two a few years ago. So, yes, yeah. he would be. I, he, he was number, I had him number two behind Trevor Me Lawrence. Me too. Uh, yeah. In that class. So, we, we'd be talking about him number one overall. So – 
Now the cost, you know, that's one thing. You're like, oh, he's going to have to get paid. But again, he's under control in 2023 or 2024. Um, Justin Fields and then his fifth year option for 2025, which you would pick up if you traded for him, would be 22, just, I say just, would be $22 million. That's his fifth year option. That's not outrageous. If you've got your starting quarterback, if he plays average, that's average QB money. Then you've got time to decide. Now, what you don't do is Russell Wilson, this guy, and bring him in and sign him to a $180 million guaranteed deal the minute you sign him and you got two years left to control. You take your time and you figure it out. Now, yeah. the cost of $30 million across two years, money-wise, I don't think that's that bad. I think that's still a risk worth taking depending on the cost of moving up to get your quarterback in the draft. Yeah. And I have a comment here from the most recent one from Zach Powers. He also lists... JJ McCarthy above Nixon Penix. I would have McCarthy above Nixon Penix, but goddamn, he scares the absolute heck heck out of me, Scott. Sorry, I shouldn't say GD. He scares the heck out of me uh, because it just he's asked to do so little uh, right now. It's it's almost like you know just completely game managing around him. So they haven't had put as much on him from a volume perspective, passing, having to drop back and win games. The flashes are there. Uh, but I just consistently, I, I, it's hard for me to get that TCU game out of my mouth where they actually fell behind and had to play comeback and it wheels came off the track on that one. So Mark McCarthy is really interesting. I'll be curious to see if he does come out because he has a chance to be number one overall in 2024. And the difference between let's say the 15th to 20th pick the number one overall, especially when you can get NIL money at Michigan is a uh, significant. So I'm, I'm waiting on McCarthy right now. I will say that the tools and the flashes are there. I understand why he'd be interesting. He'd be my quarterback for right now. Uh, but man, he, uh, there's just so little on tape. And maybe this is me kind of reacting a little bit to liking Trey Lance and then that not having worked out. It's like, man, it's like the, the volume is not really there right now. But Big Ten, I know he's running the pro style a lot too. So there's, he's interesting, but I still under evaluation. Um, and he's young. Uh, Cause oh, I looked yeah. him up too. He's like 20. Yeah. He's so, really, you know, young. He's, he's, he's four years younger than some of these other guys. No. Uh, when, when we're on here. So that's, that's something to consider too. Where's McCarthy after next year. But when we start talking about age, you know, well, he hasn't done much with the Chicago bears. Okay. Where would Bo Nix have been with the Chicago bears as the starter of the last three years? Would he even be alive or would he be in traction somewhere? I mean, we've, we've got to, we've got to take some things into perspective. They're about the same age. I saw Bo Nix at Auburn. I saw Bo Nix play Georgia at at at, at uh, when he was at Oregon. I have a feeling he'd struggle with the Detroit Lions or you know the Baltimore Ravens. <laughs> I don't think he'd be quite as successful on there. Bo um, Nix is going to end up. Marie says that there isn't yeah. an Auburn fan out there that's going to want to draft Bo Nix. He was poor yeah. in the SEC. Now again, that that a lot could change there, but um. He seems like a good kid, and he raises the floor of your room a lot. He seems pretty mature. I mean, he is the most uh, starts ever for a college quarterback in college football history. Uh, but I think you're probably drafting somebody who you're hoping is a okay starting quarterback on the rookie contract. I think anything above that would not be as likely. Uh, so <laughs> I don't know. That's what that's what you're talking about. It's like when we took uh, we had the Ritter discussion here, Scott, and I was kind of a little bit like, okay, you took a day two quarterback. 
what are we talking about here in terms of probabilities when you talk about a day two quarterback? I had just gone through the Drew Locke experience. It's a lottery ticket. Maybe you get lucky. That's why you take the shot. But odds are you get a backup caliber quarterback on a rookie deal. And that's not bad value because those, especially this year, how many backup quarterbacks have we seen? Uh, but if you're drafting that guy to come in and start or you're banking on him to be a starter, especially immediately, you're already cooked. You're, you're already cooked. You are, you might as well like, Oh, if I don't win this scratcher ticket, my family's going to starve. Good luck. God bless and good luck. <laughs> the time to take the backup quarterback was 2021. Yeah. When you had Matt Ryan on the staff. So the next quarterbacks were taken. It was after Trey Lance, Justin Fields, Kyle Trask went in the second, Kellen Mond went in the third, Davis Mills went in the problem was a quarterback class was, was bad. Um, yeah. I was never a fan of Kellen Mond going back to high school. I, I saw him play at Grayson. He probably played against Taylor Heineke. I think Taylor Heineke is a little bit older than that. But I saw Kellen Mond. He came up with IMG and played Grayson. It was right when I moved back here from um, from being away. And I think to, fall of 2016. Uh, Rusty has a good one here. He says, made it A. It's not hard. It, it'll be hard to get him. <laughs> yeah. That'd be an easy choice if he's there. Um, that That would not be a hard choice to make. It's going to be hard to get him. Uh, Victor says, bring back Dan Quinn and draft a quarterback like McCarthy. I think Dan Quinn was a great coach and just needed to clear his head with a change of scenery. Bring the guy back, question mark. I would rather roll the dice on Ryan Nielsen as the defensive coordinator that's already there. Um, I like Dan Quinn. Dan Quinn's inexperience bit him in the ass in a couple of things. One was uh, coaching staff. You had a lot of talent on that offensive coaching staff. Uh, when Kyle Shanahan was there, Kyle Shanahan was going to the 49ers. You weren't getting him, but both LaFleur's were still there. Mike McDaniel was still there. And all four of those guys left and you brought in Steve Sarkeesian. He'd never been a coordinator at the NFL level. I'm not sure he'd ever coached at the NFL level. And you handed him the keys to the number one offense. This guy had very public problems. That was a fireable offense. Then you kept him. You were done. You were done. Number two, I don't think he was strong enough to advocate for what he needed on uh, when we're talking about team building. That team was so unbalanced. Offense, offense, offense. They hit a hot streak in 2016. That defense wasn't worth a damn all year until about the last two games of the regular season. Then they hit a hot streak in the, in the playoffs. But the defense, it was so unbalanced that that was his undoing. I would rather go with Ryan Nielsen than Dan Quinn. And, and that's... Forget the past. Let's say Dan Quinn had never coached here before. You can't bring Dan Quinn back to Atlanta. It's not going to happen. You, you just can't do it. Um, based on the 28-3, he's done in Atlanta. But if you want to talk to me about defensive coaches, I'm going to keep the one I've got. That's where I would go, Nick. I mean, if we're talking defensive coaches, there's a list of names that we can get into, and you can find previous episodes where we've talked about it. I mean, nobody, you talk about assistant coach of the year, Scott, and I, uh, you're right. Nielsen deserves a shout out, but I mean, we can, we can start etching it in stone. Uh, it's going to be Mike uh, McDonald from Baltimore. He's the guy. Uh, if you're talking defensive coaches right now, um, Patriot watch USA says, do Atlanta Falcons want Justin Fields? I think they'll definitely be interested, especially if you're keeping, uh, Arthur Fans. Smith. what was that? Fans. Fans? Atlanta oh, Atlanta fans want Justin Fields. Yeah, but I'm saying like if you're keeping your head coach, then I think you would want Justin Fields 
because he, I think, gives you a more immediate chance to win. And I think he matches well with the quarterback run design stuff that seems to be emphasized with Arthur Smith. He likes to have that option for the quarterback to run the football. So I think fans would want it because it makes sense with the, the coaching staff and scheme you have. I think fans are very split on him. Um, so it would be, some would be excited to see him. Some say, absolutely, no way, no how. I don't want him there at all. You know, and some of them feel this way, like he can't throw. I, I would disagree. Um, and again, I, I would say if he was coming out of college now, he'd be a top 10 pick. <laughs> um, so that's where, uh, that's where I am on this. Uh, I would be interested. I think Justin Fields is better than Taylor Heineke. I think Justin Fields is better than Desmond Ritter. I think Justin Fields improves the Atlanta Falcons. What else can you do? If that's my best option for improving the quarterback room, I think he would do that. Cost then comes into play and all that, all those type of things that we hit on earlier in the show. Um, Harry says maybe Matt Ryan for quarterback coach. Only if he's got this burning desire to coach does something like that happen. Otherwise, they've got a very, very cushy job in media. Once you've already in there, the only time I ever really remember seeing it happen, I've seen it happen a couple of times now. So I won't say never, uh, but John Gruden got a record-breaking contract to come back and do it and all the power in the world to come back and do it. And Mac Brown went back to North Carolina after having a nice job in the, uh, in the, in the studio. And I don't know if he was forced out or not, <laughs> but uh, guys don't go the other direction very often, man. It's uh, unless it's like a one-year hiatus where they're taking their payoff from where they just got fired. And that Matt Ryan, I think, has a very good future in uh with cbs yeah i mean that's the gig right that's uh the big time if you're making that coaching is a grind the uh the announcing stuff is far more cushy uh we got michael uh, grimage coming in here saying kyler murray or justin fields i'd take kyler murray over fields uh but uh kyler murray is going to cost you a first round pick uh in comparison where Fields is probably going to cost you a couple day two picks also, I don't know if the, I mean, Cardinals are picking in the top. Maybe they're going to do their work on evaluating this crop of quarterbacks. Maybe they come to the decision that they want to trade Murray, take that uh, dead cap hit um, and uh, reset the quarterback clock. But uh, I don't know. Right now, it seems like Murray is back in Arizona. There has not been much, uh, much juice as far as the trade market for him. And I, I don't, I feel like I'd rather have Justin Fields and maybe it's just the cost control of the first two years. Um, but his base salary, we talk about this all the time. The base salary is what you look at when you start talking about trades. No one wants that contract. Look at the base salary, okay? Mm -hmm. The base salary in 2024 is big. It's $37 million, okay? So they're, if I send some money, to, if I send some, uh, some picks, if I make a trade for Kyler Murray, I'm going to need them to eat some of that contract. 2025, it's only 18. 2026, it's only 2022. 2027, it's only 19. That's not a ton of money. Uh, they're taking the dead cap hit on the signing bonus. Um, so basically, you've got four years of under $20 million quarterback in Kyler Murray. I, I don't trust his health, Nick. You know, we mm -hmm. talk about health with Justin Fields. With him and his style of play and his size makes me nervous. Now, you know, going back to, I don't want Kyler Murray, blah, blah, blah. I don't want this guy. I don't want that guy. I don't want this guy. Is Kyler Murray a better option than Taylor Heineke and Desmond Ritter? Yes, he is. Okay, we need to explore that option then. I 
I think Murray's answered a good bit of my questions this season because I was curious about how much he could play outside of that 10 personnel heavy uh, shotgun air raid that we saw of Cliffs Kingsbury. And it's a small sample size. I get it. But he's impressed me uh, this season overall. And I think that his style of play, while he is smaller, I don't think it lends itself to bone crushing hits the way that Fields play. Like, I don't know if Fields is going to play beyond his next contract with how he takes hits a little bit of a. I'll say this word because it's a, t- a title of a TV show, but a little sometimes it's a little bit uh, jackass, the TV show where it's like, <laughs> let me do this stunt. Let me take this hit, buddy. It's the first quarter week two. like get out of bounds. You don't have to do that. It's one of my big concerns with Jaden Daniels, too. It's like, God, I appreciate it when you're, you know, diving on it for first down. But like we need you <laughs> the rest of the season. So maybe, you know, don't take that hit. Uh, but Murray, I think, even though he is smaller, I don't see him give himself up i think he protects himself pretty well it's one of the things that's fascinating uh about kyler Mur- or about lamar jackson honestly is how he's so good at not taking hits uh but i would take i think i would take murray over fields and i'm a i'm a i really do like fields i think it'd be a good fit here uh but uh murray is i think the better quarterback right now from what i've seen yeah i be they'd be on the table because yeah. you know that both of those teams are seriously considering quarterback with their picks, which again, it's going to make it really hard to go up and get one of those top three guys. Yeah. Uh, it's going to be crazy expensive. Um, it's going to be, it's going to be, it's going to expen- cost you three first round. And the thing is, I guess it wouldn't really matter to um, usually it's a swap of picks plus two, which is still three first round picks, you know? So the, the difference is, Let's say the Cardinals or Bears decide to keep their quarterback. Well, then they just get three first-round picks. You know, it's not like plus two. Does that make sense? The math in there, it's not, you know, it's like, oh, it costs three first-round. Never mind. I I confuse myself with this discussion. And, Scott, we've talked for an hour now, and we haven't even, like, previewed the actual game (laughs) at all. A lot of of what's interesting in this game is – could Justin Fields be the quarterback of the Atlanta Falcons next year? Is there any yeah. interest there? There is. Uh, just as far as a preview of the game, before we get out, because I got to get moving here for the doctor's appointment. Uh, but these are probably two of the most underrated defenses in football and probably two of the more surprising defenses. The Bears, to start the year, the first five, six weeks, were down there with the Broncos in terms of their defense. And since they traded for Montez Sweat, they have been one of the best five to six defenses in football, especially stopping the run. Uh, so I'm really curious to see if the Falcons are going to continue to run the football, even though it might be smashing your head against a brick wall. And that'll probably come down to a bit as if the defense is holding up against Justin Fields. Now the Falcons are also excellent against the run. So it almost feels a little bit Spider-Man pointing here. I think I trust the explosiveness of, uh, oh my gosh, DJ Moore. I think he's the X factor here because I think he's probably the, best offensive player in the field in this game. Uh, so I think I might lean with the bears in this one uh, just because I think DJ Moore, you're going to get some explosive play out there. And I, even though Justin Fields is a lot of negative plays, much more positives as well. So I'll probably go with the bears with the DJ Moore Justin Fields combo over Heineke plus Bijan slash Pitts slash London. But uh, this is an interesting game. Uh, no, no doubt. Yeah. I'm just kind of looking back to, um, to last year um it wasn't exactly an offensive showcase even though the score ended up getting a little bit higher of uh, 27 24 and this is one where they lost pits on that dirty tackle eddie jackson from yep. their safety uh 
hitting them low from behind in the open field was that's just it's cheap. Um, afraid to take a guy up high and uh, went after his kneecaps from behind. Still pissed about that. Um, Justin Fields went 14 to 21 for 153 yards and a touchdown and interception. He was sacked four times last year. Hell, they only had 24 sacks. So there it goes to your quarterback stat and then uh, rushed 18 times for 85 yards and a touchdown. Marietta was 13 of 20 for 131 yards, uh, scored a rushing touchdown and had a passing touchdown. Um, both defenses are significantly better. Both defenses put, both teams put a lot of resources into their defenses over the offseason, which was what made them fun. They, they, you know, from a team building standpoint, they're very similar of when they were taking on their dead cap hits, when they were going to have their money, when the, 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 uh, the draft picks should start paying off. And they're not that far apart. I would argue the Chicago Bears are playing a little bit better than the Atlanta Falcons right now. If the Atlanta Falcons play like they get against the Colts, they will win this game. Can they take it on the road and do that? We will see. We will see. I'm most interested in the quarterback play of this game. Uh, I think the Falcons are at about an 8% chance of making the playoffs. And the Bears might be even a little bit less. They're not mathematically out of it. So we start looking into the 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 nuances, the battles within the battle. Uh, do the Bears bring back their quarterback? I mean, do the Bears and their head coach? Both of these teams could be in the market for a new head coach and a new quarterback in the offseason. The Bears just have a pretty good idea of what they're gonna, what they can do, what's available to them because of some good moves last year in the draft. Yeah. Uh, it's- a lot of turnover, and we'll see what happens. I do think that, uh, yeah, Chris Walker makes a good point. Sweat was a great get for the Bears. We also got Hill Hillman coming in. Hill squared, good to see you, Hilly. Says, uh, late to the party, I will say this, Falcons might have to make a Julio deal to lock down a solid option at quarterback. I mean, if you're talking about getting into the top, top five this year, mm-hmm. it's probably going to cost that. And uh, if you miss, you set your team back probably five years. Uh, for that kind of thing, just for the long-term impact of that. I will yeah, say I think- five just because you've got the money in free agency to to buy your way out of some of those bad bad problems. And you're young enough on offense. You're, yeah. It's just two years because you spend two years trying to figure out that the quarterback isn't the right guy, and then you got to start over a quarterback again. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I feel like the ripples are still probably three to five years uh, down the line because you're missing those developmental guys too. And you're missing out on that next you know, cost control, especially with early picks, but who knows? There's no guarantees. Uh, but if you hit on the quarterback, man, that's why it's, that's why it's the big lottery, right? If you hit, you're good. If you miss, unless you're the 49ers, good luck. Uh, Chris Walker says sweat was a great get for the bears. Yeah, he was. So that's a little bit envious. We'll see the Falcons definitely could use an edge rusher. One of the lowest uh, pass rush win rate and pass rush, graded teams in football this season really shows a good job. What Nielsen's done, despite not having guys on the front end, uh, Keith Brugman comes in, says he said fields would go number one in this draft. Mm, I don't think we said that. Not quite that, but where would we be discussing him? We would be discussing him as being possibly the number one overall pick. And that's not a stretch considering I had him number two when he came out. And if he had spent the last three years at Oregon, instead of with the Chicago bears, the narrative around 25 year old, uh, Justin Fields would be very different. He's only 11 months older than the than than uh, Michael Penix. No, he's 13 months older than Michael Penix. 11 months older than Bo Nix. Uh, you know, just the idea of how the hype that would be around him if he had been playing college ball the last two years instead of um, instead of 
floundering with a poor rebuilding cash strapped Chicago Bears team who is just now really the check marks going in the right direction. They really want to start over at quarterback. Maybe is that team set up well enough that a rookie quarterback can come in and do better? Maybe, maybe. Well, why would they get rid of him? Why would you want one of their cast offs? Because he's better than what you've got. That's why. And the availability is of quarterbacks. He might be the best quarterback that's available for you. So we will see. No, I, I was making the Chris Walker says Ohio State, not Oregon. I, I was just making the comparison to Bonix. Um, Bonix floundered at uh, at Auburn, had a lot of success, a lot of success, especially this year, at Oregon in a in a high powered. CJ Stroud didn't get talked a lot about because they didn't need him to. It's a very quarterback centric offense out in Oregon where he's going to put up numbers. So he'd have 150 touchdowns in three years at Oregon if, if Justin Fields had played the last three years at Oregon instead of Chicago and a rebuilding NFL team. Yep. Yeah. It's who knows? Uh, they're going to be looking. I can see Patriot Watch really doesn't like Fields. So we get well, what's funny here is there's some people, there's Falcons fans are getting mad at a Chicago Bears fan for putting down their own quarterback. Listen, if he doesn't like him, so be it. Yeah, that's, uh, we'll see. We'll yeah. see. I, it's, I think it's going to be, I think it's going to be a lot of fun. There's yeah. very divisive discussions about Justin Fields. He hasn't had a lot of success. He has struggled. Does that mean he is not good enough for this league? Maybe it does. Maybe it does. I'm not convinced yet that that's it. I think the Bears have had their problems. Mm -hmm. Am I convinced that Desmond Ritter cannot play in the NFL? No, I'm not. Do I think that Arthur Smith and Desmond Ritter have not been good enough? Yes, I do. I don't mind having Desmond Ritter on this, on this team for one more year to let him try and win the job and get some experience, but I'm going to try and improve the room. As of right now, Justin Fields is better than Desmond Ritter. That's not a hot take. No. What is the cost to try and get him? What are your other options? Those are the questions the Atlanta Falcons will have to ask over the course of the next five months. Yep. Going to be interesting. No doubt about that. So we'll see. Uh, score prediction, Scott. I think Atlanta. I think Atlanta's going to lose. I think it's going to be a close one, but I think the Bears are have turned it around a lot, especially defensively. Uh, so I'm going to go with the Bears winning this one. I'll go 23 to 20. I had 23-22. Okay. <laughs> Yeah, I had 23-22, so that's an over-under of 45. Um, the over-under on this game is 37.5, so depending on weather, I might go the over on this one. I don't feel great about who wins this game. Both teams have been too helter-skelter for me. Mm -hmm. um, I just don't know who's going to show up. Uh, typically, if that's the case, I'll go with the home team, and the Bears have been playing pretty good the last few weeks. The best team out of this bunch was the Falcons team that showed up last week against the Indianapolis Colts. That's yeah. the best we've seen either of these teams play all year. If that team shows up or anything assemble, looking close to that team, the Falcons will go up there and beat the Bears. I haven't seen that team but once this year. Didn't the Bears paddle the Lions just like two or three weeks ago? Like yeah, that was up. That was in Chicago too. Um, yeah. Yeah, and then I think they split. I think they split their, uh, their yeah they their did series. And the Lions' defense has been pretty poor recently. So all you need to do is play the Broncos' offense, and then you look pretty <laughs> damn good. Um, but uh, yeah, Scott, we probably need to run. Falcons winning thirty twenty three. I think this is an interesting game. Uh, I think this is a upstart Bears team, and the Falcons maybe found something too. So much intrigue. It should be a lot of fun. I remember watching Josh Dobbs run circles around the Falcons around the edge. 
Uh, we'll see what Justin Fields can do. So I, I think it's going to be uh, – I liked, I do like the over in this one. So good to see it. he predicts that's a lot of points. You definitely like – Troy is very confident in the Falcons. Uh, Zach Powers, Falcons win 17-3. Windy, cold game. Yeah, before I say take the over, I want to I want to see the, the conditions on this. But we are going to get out of here. This is our final show of uh, – of 2023 i will be back i'm not holding nick to this one but um i'll be back on monday january 1st that'll be a monday we'll do a morning after show talking about this game i think we'll have a better idea because i'll be honest with you nick i'm falling off i've been all on the justin fields i'm i'm tilting negatively more recently i keep expecting him to take this step see him play bad teams he gets off to a fast start and then it's just nothing the rest of the way we will see so I'm looking forward to this game. I hope you all have one hell of a holiday weekend and a New Year's Eve. Be careful out there. I want to say thank you to Drake Wally for coming in with the stars, uh, the, the super sticker. Uh, Dave, Keith Robbins, Oblivion Empire, Mark Wilson, Keith Robbins came in more than once, and Jason Heller, all with the financial support. That means a lot, the donations you make to the show. Thank you for supporting us. Nick, any last words before we get out of here? It's almost Football Thursday. Ah, just really excited for all the games this week. Uh, I, we will be going Friday, right, Scott? Different, different. We'll be going though. Friday. This is the last <laughs> Falcons podcast. We're going. Yeah. We'll do coast to coast on Friday, and we'll take a look at the the bigger games. For me, this does not qualify, so I might not even stream with this one to the Falcons channel. Uh, make sure you're following us on YouTube.com/slash Scott Kennedy or Facebook.com/slash Scott Kennedy Sports. We will be going there for sure, but I probably will not put this one on the Falcons channel on Friday because we're talking playoffs and Bears in, in, in Atlanta don't really qualify. <laughs> At some point, we'll do a first round mock, Scott. I just, I know it's got to be coming. We have all off season for that, but yep, nothing else. Just uh, hoping my uh, PCP visit here today is uh, all healthy and good to go since I haven't angel been. Angel dust, dude. Primary care physician. I'm in healthcare. I PCP always think it's angel dust, man. Oh, well, that's, <laughs> don't do drugs. Pretty it's square. Like Psychoplytholine or whatever that was. That was like a 60s thing, I think. Okay. Now, I think it actually is uh, ringing a bell. I think they talk about it in uh, Walk Hard. It's like a 70s drug. He's like, I'm hopped up on PCP. No, primary care physician. I work in healthcare. Uh, <laughs> so that's just got flagged for YouTube for talking drugs. <laughs> yeah, well, and uh, we are talking playoffs, Harry, but that's more um, stuff. Broncos for breakfast on Friday. We don't do uh Broncos yeah, for breakfast. we'll do we'll do tomorrow broncos for breakfast tomorrow on youtube.com slash mile high huddle and then coast to coast football we'll be talking nfl maybe some draft stuff maybe some quarterback stuff um but probably we'll stick with nfl and we'll dive into first of the year we'll start diving into draft in january which is just next week Woo should be fun so on that note thanks for being here everybody we went 70 minutes and we had a great time with y'all we will see you again. Join us tomorrow for some Broncos talk. Join us Friday for some NFL talk. Otherwise, we'll see you on Monday. Hope you all have a great holiday weekend. Stay safe out there, everybody. Peace.